Welcome to Martial Wisdom. Here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. The discussion today is covering hard versus soft Aikido. Joining me in this discussion is Robert Silas. Before we start, please consider supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Spirit Aikido online program, which currently has more than 160 videos. Another option is to contribute any amount you like through the PayPal tip jar. Even small contributions are greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. All right, I want to welcome Robert Silas today in this discussion, and I've really been looking forward to this. Uh, a listener recommended Robert to me to have him on the show, and we had a little chat a few days ago, and I really loved it. It was fantastic. Um, and we kind of came up with a great topic, and that is discussing the hard versus soft Aikido. And Robert, I'll let him explain his background here, but I wanted to bring him in to, to talk about this because I think it's a topic that's on a lot of people's minds or at least has come across it. Uh, so Robert, uh, welcome to the show, and why don't you give a little bit of your background? Okay, thanks, Tristan. Um, yeah, so the, the topic today as we discuss is gonna be probably all over, all over the board. Um, uh, my background in Aikido is gonna be limited in comparison to most of your audience. Um, but it, it's a it's a good crossover uh, discussion. But I'll start with you know my interest in martial arts um, was bef before I can honestly remember we were always doing something uh, as a family around the house. And somehow in my youth, one of our one of our neighbors I think was a bad kid, quote unquote bad kid. Uh, but luckily for us, his his parents threw away his martial arts collection, which happened to be the entire library of Bruce Lee you know, his uh, Kung Fu books, um, you know, every, all the volumes. So luckily we happened upon those uh, when I was probably, I don't know, six years old. Um, but we, we always had an interest. Steven Seagal, uh, you know, his movies came out in the, in the late eighties and we had no clue what he was doing. It, it looked really cool, but you could, if you didn't know Aikido or anything, you know, in that genre, you just couldn't follow what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And it piqued my interest. I remember I, I was 12 years old when I bought uh, Aikido and the Dynamic Sphere. So most of your audience will, will be familiar with that book. One of the greatest books for deep thought and great illustrations. You know, I, I have a I have a copy sitting right here next to me, actually. But but I got that book at an early age, and I was drawn to Aikido. I didn't know what it was. Um, I always had a passion and interest in it. Um, going into actually training uh, in a, in, a, in a real school. You know, I dabbled around. My my parents put me into you know testing some Taekwondo, Hapkido. Did a few classes. wasn't really what I was looking for. Um, my my soccer coach in high school, believe it or not, was was uh, also a judo black belt, and I didn't know. But my brother and I started training. Uh, you know, at five thirty in the morning um, in the early nineties, I started training some judo. Um, fast forward to UFC coming out. I remember watching UFC. Um, you know, everyone would pirate and get the VHS and, you know, whose house is going to have it. Um, I was still in high school uh, at that time. I'm 44 right now, by the way. Um, but when that came out, I mean, it, it just blew up my interest even more to, to really get involved in a school because I trained, I trained at home with my brother all the time. Mm -hmm. What's this chapter on break falls? That's not important. Skip through that. <laughs> you know, worst mistake, um, you know, trying, trying to learn how to take a Kodagaishi or Katanage uh, without knowing how to break falls pretty bad. 
Um, but anyway, we found a, a school that was a really good judo school in, in uh, Tennessee where I grew up. And our, our judo instructor was several times Southeast judo champion, Michael Carr. He was phenomenal um, and trained there for uh, several years. We did a ton of uh, our randori at the end of class would always go to the ground and we always did a lot of newasas. So the, you know, the, the ground was very familiar with familiar to me at that time as well. My judo instructor's brother, who I hadn't met, had recently come back from Japan where he trained uh, at the Takumakai in Daitoru, uh, Aiki Jiu-Jitsu. And I, I remember he came back, he was smaller than my judo instructor. And I would try to, to throw him and roll around with him, not knowing who he was other than he had a black belt. And uh, it was different, very different. And um, one day I was talking about Aikido or something, I, I don't know, and I didn't know that he had trained. I just knew he was another judoka here and he was my, my instructor's brother. And Shihonagi, this is, this is one that I, you know, I studied in the book. I watched Steven Seagal do it. You know, it, it seemed simple enough. Um, hadn't really trained it with anyone. I said, yeah, I know that technique. And he, he started to show me Shihonagi and it's the worst, it's the most painful technique I've ever experienced, just to be honest. Sankyo is, you know, horrible Yankyo. I mean, there's, there's so many different locks, but Shihonagi done from my instructor, Paul Carter, was immensely painful i can't even tell you where all i heard you know my shoulder joint elbow joint and this was just getting into the technique and i thought there is something here uh, and he explained to me it was daitru which i i you know everyone that has studied any aikido um through uh, books or whatever you're going to know who sokaka takeda is you're going to know the, the lineage that washiba sensei went through so this was like a gold mine in in this little country place in tennessee it's very obscure. I mean, Daitoru is not very well known um, as far as being prolific like Aikido, like Taekwondo. So it's, you know, how I looked upon that, I, I couldn't tell you. But anyway, fast forward in here. Um, I, I studied judo until about green, green belt when I paid my, my judo fees to the USJA uh, and then quit being part of the affiliation. I started training Daitoru. Um, brown belt level in, in judo, not through the USJA. Uh, and then in, in Daitaru, I'm a Nidon. And I've been traveling around with work quite a bit. So uh, where I've landed in my training, I, I still practice Daitaru um, personally, not, not at any affiliation because I've moved away from, from my hometown. Uh, but I've been training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, specifically Gracie Jiu-Jitsu for um, for several years, I'm a brown belt right now, working working towards that black belt, uh, which which would be a great accomplishment as well. Um, so really, the 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 vigorous rough and tumble judo Brazilian jiu jitsu. I've worked with a lot of wrestlers. That that is very appealing to me. This very physical um, confrontation. But the daitoru side, um, it's separate. But but I, I'm, we're going to talk a lot about this. There's so much crossover. Um, and to get to the Aikido piece, I know I'm, I'm long-winded here. Um, I, did, I did move around a lot, like I've said. And when I landed in Atlanta for about five years, I met a, a, a great sensei in Aikido, um, Finn Ackerman, who I don't re exactly remember his lineage, but he's really strong, really, really tough uh, Aikidoka. And I worked with him as a guest in his school for... Um, about a year or so, and he allowed me to use the facility on some of the off nights 
and I was running a um, Daituru um, study group, we'll call it, for about four years. Uh, so I do have quite a, quite a good experience with Aikido from that school, um, but I've also visited uh, other, other branches or locations, so I've got a good taste for some of the harder training, softer training, Aikido specifically. Um, but there, there's a long-winded uh, discussion on, on my background, uh, how it varies, but it's all grappling, 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 grappling in some sort or fashion. Well, I think taking the thousand foot view of basically comes down to not so, not so much hard versus soft Aikido as much as hard versus soft training or regardless of what the art is. And, and I, I agree with you, you know, I, I was a bit of a bookworm as I started out with Aikido. I dive, dove into it heavy and learned very quickly of the Daitaru Aikido Jiu-Jitsu influence um, as well as the sumo influence that Aikido had to the founder. Uh, obviously the judo influence had to be there because there were so many advanced judoka who came to Osensei. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain that, you know, somebody who's a fourth, fifth, sixth Don in judo is not just going to abandon everything that they know about balance, taking, throwing, you know, all of those things, even the training habits. And this is where even within judo, there's a, there's a distinct difference between the younger competitive training, which is very explosive. I would call that very hard mm -hmm. training versus an older, older judoka who are not so competitive minded, they're into the soft and softer, more fluid control form. And I'd say the perfect avatar for that would be Kyuza Mufune, who, if you watch his video, he is, he's not dealing with, with uh, compliant uh, partners or, or opponents. Uh, they're very much in earnest trying to throw him and they're younger, bigger, stronger, and he's not using power or or tr doing hard throws but he is successfully throwing them in a very masterful manner and to me that is he really does represent the 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 apex of i suppose you could call it aiki or or ju you can kind of get into arguments about what those words mean but the the idea yeah. that you are using grappling you are throwing but you're doing it in a controlled manner and you, once you have that control, the outcome does not necessarily have to be hard. And I guess that's, that comes down to that hard training part. And um, like yeah, you, you have, go ahead. Right on the head, as far as my, my personal journey, right? So, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I've listened to a lot of your, your shows yet. You did a really good job, by the way. Thank you. Uh, some, some good, um, good guests that you've had on and everyone has an, their own journey, right? So, I mean, when, when you, when you talk about martial arts, um, in any forum or where you get a group of people, someone's going to be right, somebody's going to be wrong, there's going to be discussions and arguments. But you know, you can debate that if you're talking historical historical data, right? But if it's a personal journey, a personal experience, it is what it is. It's it's our own, right? Uh, and my my personal journey is Aiki and Jew to really find that essence. I mean, I, I love physical activity. I I, I thrive at getting pummeled and beat up every day by by my uh you know really strong training partners but but Kyuza Mifune he, he looks like he's dancing he looks like he's doing what we would call Aikido um with his judo because there is a certain flow and what there's something that I remember reading about Jigoro Kano you know the founder of judo um students would say that when they trained with him it's like they were training with an empty gi and if you can imagine that when you pull the weight as empty, when you push the weight as empty, 
uh, that's such a that's such a great um, thought process that I can get lost in on on how to be an empty ghee, right? And that's the essence of being able to yield the ultimate of yielding to a push or a pull, right? And I think we all would like to achieve that. Oh sure, uh, and it's like I the found, ivory tower ideal. That's that's the true mastery part of yeah, having it, but that it, but level it's real. of skill. It, it, it really, it really does exist. It exists on on the on the you know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu mat, mm-hmm. on there the wrestling is, mat. I mean, there, it's, yeah, yeah. I know you do, everywhere. you do have a wrestling mentor. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, there's definitely more to it. And and as we talk about, I'll, I'll talk about how I, I I feel. You know, my Daijuru training versus some Aikido training. The the differences, um, hard, soft, and whatnot. But even I, I, I will talk a lot about um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, I can give an explanation on, there is a, there is a distinct difference between Gracie and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, by the way, but um, there, there is definitely a possibility in the soft yielding to be able to overcome, um, you know, your opponent. That's a, you could say a bigger, stronger opponent, because that's the ideal, but, you know, you get a bigger, stronger opponent that is equally trained, and you're going to get smashed. That's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, I, I don't think the videos that we see of Kuzo Mifune are full board. I think there's still some, um, I, I still think that there's some reverence for the sensei uh, from the students, but you can tell that there's some legitimate action going on, but I don't, I don't think that they're giving it their all. Um, but it's a great, you know, great videos that I've seen, but mm-hmm. But either way, yeah. Well, and you know, I've seen even just within the Aikido community, there are dojos and organizations that focus a lot on very hard throws, where mm. most throws end in a break fall. Um, you know, they view it as as a harder training, and then of course, there's others that do some break falls, but not a lot, and they tend to go for throws which allow uke to roll out. And there's others that just do rolls almost exclusively. And, and this comes down to, I don't think it's art specific as much as it is, what is that dojo's culture or what is their, that dojo's mm. focus specific? And in my experience, the more breakfalls you do, the more you have a younger student base that can hold up to that. Um, yeah, that's very I, true. <clears throat> you know, I've run across a number of fourth, fifth, sixth dons and up and up and practitioners of grappling arts, whether it's judo, aikido, uh, I haven't personally run across any anybody in from the Daituru realm, but I have noticed a consistency, and that is many of them have got bad knees and bad joints, and almost every single one of them has told me, I trained when I was young, I was pretty vigorous, probably too much, and I wish I would have gone a little easier on my body now that I'm, you know, 50 or I'm 55 or 60, too whatever, bad that however nobody old they are. To that advice. What's that? <laughs> Yeah, nobody listens. Nobody listens. Nobody, no, yeah. Well, I mean, you, when you love it and you want to jump in and you love the physical realm, and I do, uh, you kind of go, well, just this time, let's let's crank it up, let's play, you know, let's go, yeah. let's go. And you know, unfortunately, when I started in Aikido, I started at 38 years old, and and I'd already done a lot of competition, and and I'd learned by that point how kind of being a kamikaze will harm your body, and I had enough forward vision for what I wanted. I didn't want to be somebody who in my at 45, 50 years old was hobbling around and couldn't get up out of a chair easily. Or, you know, I want to be able to do this a longer time. And so, you know, 
I, I do like break falls. I like training them, but I realize, and I, I can't remember who I came across that said this. They said a body only has so many break falls in it. And if you burn through all of them, when you're young, you, you're going to run out and you just won't be able to do it anymore. And, yeah. um, you know, a number of Xi'an are, they can't sit Seiza. Uh, they have hard times walking, you know, taking stairs, things like that. You know, I, I think there is a certain sustainability to training that needs to be accounted for. And, um, you know, that's, that's a factor when it comes to choosing how you want to train. And, but I'm certainly not an advocate of not training any breakfalls or not doing, uh, you know, that view of what is considered hard training. But that said, it, with that in mind, it's made me look at how do you do effective training? Like what exactly is hard? And I, this is where I'd like to really tap your brain on the, the Daito Ru uh, background that you have in that I've found that if once you take somebody's balance and posture and they're pretty much helpless, now, just slamming them hard on the ground and then saying, I practice a hard form of Aikido is almost sadistic. Like you, you, mm -hmm. when you take control of somebody, you now have a kind of a responsibility for them. What, if it's your training partner, you have a responsibility not to hurt them. Now, if it's you know, somebody who, who attacks you for real and wants to harm you, it's your judgment whether you need to slam them down hard enough that they're not going to get back up right away because you need to protect your your family, yourself, you know, what have you. But um, I, I find that that doing that just to training partners to feel to feed the ego or to feed your, your own vanity or to think that you're some kind of a tough martial artist is not necessarily uh, a good pursuit. It's, it's not really a noble pursuit either. Um, and I guess that's where I can see that maybe the Aikido influence that I've had brings me to that perspective. And I know you talked about in our phone call, and maybe you can cover this for, for viewers, uh, the concept that with Daito Ru, it, the, the key is to lock up Uke so quickly and have basically pain throughout the technique all the way to the end. Uh, at least that's what I, I got from our discussion, but maybe you could elaborate that on, on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a few points to that. So for one, you know, in the grand view of it, I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody in the Daituru world, Aikido world, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world. You know, I train just like anybody else that's trying to, um, you know, make advancement on their, their personal journey. Um, but from my experience, I'll, I'll tell you flat out that I, I believe Aikido trains harder as far as physically running in circles, over and over, up and down, up and down, up and down. It's, it's harder training the physical demand of nonstop up and down, up and down. It's almost like a gymnastics influence. It, it's harder. It's harder than Daituru, hmm. that part of it. Okay. So when we're, we're talking about the physical sweat running, you know, I, you know, I'm, I can, I can just picture over and over and over up and down, up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I told you this may be a little bit surprising, but I, I think that Aikido trains harder for that sweat than Daichiru. Now, absolutely nowhere near Judo and BJJ, right? I mean, those are completely different levels of physical exertion. Mm -hmm. um, Daichiru is not uh, the, the training, again, from my experience, you know, everyone that, that's listening out there, and I've got 
I've got a few critics. I have no critics on the mat, but I have plenty of critics online. <laughs> so, Isn't um, that the way of the world? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and, and I, again, I'm speaking from my experience. There are several branches of the Daitaru tree, just like there are any other art. Some of them um, do have a lot of pain compliance, which is the, the lineage that, that I studied. Now, that pain compliance is, it's always there, but it doesn't have to be. As you train, you can learn to off-balance and employ the same technique without having to hit all the, you know, the pressure points and whatnot. Um, but just to give a, a look into, you know, if you were beginning to retraining versus Aikido. Aikido, there's going to be a lot of up and down because you're doing so many tenshinages, iruminage, kodagaish, all over and over and over and over. Daitoru is not so much taking these wide breakfalls as much as you're just dropping <laughs> instantaneously. You know, the pain, um, and I've, I've, I found this too, when I train with people from different arts, Aikido, even some of my, my BJJ guys, um, some of them like it, but mo most people, if, if they didn't uh, search it out, they don't really like the pain um, in Daitaru because everywhere you touch, it's like, well, you're being a jerk. You're, you're, you're grabbing this uh, pressure point. There's one, you know, right under the elbow that we grab with Ipondori, which, you know, Ikkyo and Aikido, right? Mm -hmm. That's where you grab. We don't grab under the armpit. We don't push up. It's underneath the elbow and there's a Kyushu point under there. Uh, on the wrist, everywhere you grab, you know, most Aikido Kai are going to be familiar with, with Yonkyo, right? Mm -hmm. That specific grip that's not just in one part of the wrist. I mean, it's everywhere that, it, that you grab, you're able to put this pressure and this pain from your thumb and, and your, you know, your knuckle on your, your index finger. But it's painful. I remember asking my teacher, um, actually, he was telling me a story. He, he said, and I'll back up for a second. He he went to Japan uh, and he was actually looking for Aikido at, at the time. He was on this, you know, spiritual mission or wanting, wanting to find uh, that, that path to enlightenment. And he sees the guys wearing the hakamas and everything. And he thinks he's going to Aikido and he trained it, not knowing the language yet. You know, he trained it. And one day he asked his teacher why it hurts so bad. And he says, ah, that's Daitoru. Now, I think obviously once he got the introduction and started training, he clearly knew what it was. But but he liked to say that, you know, his teacher would just smile and say, that's Daitoru, you know. Um, but as far as all, you know, hard throws over and over and over. Yeah, I mean, if we're doing a Koshinagi or of some sort, yeah, big throws over and over and over. Uh, but most of it is more focus on subtle movements. And I'm trying to choose my words right, because, yes, every Aikyoka can say, well, that's what we do. We focus on subtle movements and, and you know, more power to you. There's, I won't say there's a difference there, except maybe, maybe there's some pieces that are missing from the puzzle, you know. Um, but ultimately, it all goes down to breaking posture. Um, and you mentioned something that was that was spot on. When you get somebody off balance, I don't care if you're a five-time Abu Dhabi champion. I don't care if you're, you know, judo champion. When you are in that teetering off balance point, the only thing you're currently champion of is is falling. You know, because you can't That's fight back when you, when you are teetering, mm -hmm. right? So to get somebody to that point where they're not able to retreat, they're not able to advance, they're stuck. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a cool spot to put somebody in. Now it's difficult, especially live, 
but it absolutely does work. And that's what we're looking for in, you know, in that, in that contact, when someone reaches to grab a lapel, you know, we want to off balance. Um, and then we employ, you know, you call it Nikyo, uh, de Dori, maybe, you know, dietary terminology. There's going to be pain in many points. Um, Aikido makes it very painful too. I'm not going to say that there's drastically a difference, um, but, but I've been called a jerk enough to, <laughs> because I'm grabbing, you know, Q-show points or, or uh, pain points. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, just to, to wrap that piece up, I, I, I really think the Aikido group, the ones that I've trained with, did a lot more falls and tumbles over and over than in Daitoru. Daitoru was, even when you're doing a, you know, this this big throw, um, what do you guys call it? Juji Nage, where you- Oh, yeah. Jujinage. Yeah, it's Karaminage or Karaminage. It's just an entanglement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't like people to, to get up and come back at us. Uh, mm-hmm. That's We really prefer that entanglement to go straight to the ground and, and pin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause, but I want to, to let you ha- see if you have any questions here. But I'm going to talk about pinning in a minute because there is a drastic difference in pinning in Daitoru versus aikido from my experience sure i have to keep yeah, showing that preface I'd like, i would like to get to the pinning but and i do have a comment you made you made this we're talking about the pain compliance uh aspect and that is and there's something that i came across uh, a while back and this is i after digging into it i found that there's basically two different phrases that appear to say the same thing but i think they're very different one is if it hurts it works and i've heard instructors use that as a, as a justification for, for causing pain for just about any technique you can imagine. And the, the alternate one is if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. Um, and both of, both of these, I think, are in support of that pain compliance factor. I found it interesting in talking with uh, a couple of people that I do train with personally from the law enforcement realm who talk about their experiences of applying pain to somebody they're taking into custody or somebody who's a um, suspect or perp or whatever you'd want to call it. And that is that pain can actually motivate somebody to mm-hmm. resist you. And it's, it may seem to lay people like applying pain is your way of taking control of a person, but it can actually motivate them to resist your control. Mm-hmm. And their advice was, uh, and I think that this fits not only the tactical application, but also kind of a moral applica- application as well as just a pure unsensible one is like, you want to take control of their body. You only use pain if they don't understand that their body is being controlled and that they continue to resist. And if that, at that point, you pulse them with a little bit of pain just to remind them how the situation that they're in. And say, I don't want this to hurt. I don't want this to go any further. Calm down. Put your hands behind your back, you know, or give me your other hand. Whatever position you wind up being in, and, and that covers not only immobilizations and pins, but also, you know, taking somebody, making that first contact with someone. And, um, you know, most of the police that I've talked to all agree: the last thing you want to do is start to make contact with somebody. You cause them pain. They somehow break away from you because you haven't really apprehended them that you don't have them in a solid control position. They take off and now you got to go take off running after. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, it's a careful subject to, to dance around in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Now I'm giving you, I'm giving you the information that 
yes, the, the dietary experience that I have, and I keep prefacing that because I know there's some branches that, you know, they, they're not going to work on pain compliance at all because it's not, it's not necessary. Sure. I mean, I don't use pressure points, you know, on the mat in my Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, they would benefit, you know, they would help me reach my point quicker, but it's just not what we do. You know, maybe I'll toy around with Well, And they're good tools. Things. They're all good tools to have because violence can run any kind of range and you don't know what you're going to get. You yeah. might need that tool. That, that's certainly fact. Well, I mean, if you, if you think about it, the, the goal, the goal is not to see if you can squeeze somebody's arm hard enough that they give up. Right. I mean, it's because you touch a hot stove, you're going to react. Your, your instinct is to jump away. And just like you mentioned, if you are causing pain without thorough control, they're going to react. Now, that's what we want, because the whole goal is Kazushi off balancing. Right. When somebody's off balance, then you're able to control them, whether it's through you know, Aikido's principle of leading control. Um, if someone if you get someone truly off balance, then, yes, you can lead them and direct them where you want them to go um you know i i heard one of your recent uh or or one of your podcasts with uh, lenny sly Mm -hmm. uh, who i've watched a lot of his stuff and he's he's a really strong guy you know Mm -hmm. uh good at his at his craft definitely Um, but to to hear him say never ever try to catch a punch and try a guy you know that that's so true (laughs) Uh, but what once you catch somebody's balance yeah you can lead them and and use whatever technique you want but pain you know, you have a, a Timmy, you have pain, uh, even even a Kiai, you know, just a loud shout can get somebody's um, attention enough to cause them to be off balance. And what, what are we talking about when when you off balance someone, uh, typically you cause their hips to rise, right? So they're not going to necessarily sink and get in a strong base uh, if you properly off balance in them through an, a Timmy or through uh, pain, right? That you have an instant where they come up on off their heels, their hips rise a little bit, and then you move into a technique. Yeah, it's not to squeeze harder because if it doesn't hurt, it works. It doesn't work. Um, if you're trying to do a technique like yonkyo um, or sankyo, that's the, the terms you use, right? Uh, yes. In Aikido. Yeah, if you're trying to do that and there's no pain, um, those, those specifically should cause pain uh, even though the technique that comes out of it is literally just to get an elbow to rise make the hip rise you know up and down aikiage aikisake right um but yes yeah, certain certain techniques can have a lot of pain as you manipulate the joints that's just the nature of of that um konsetsu or you know whatever portion of jujitsu mm-hmm. um pain can have a big part but i'm 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 cutting it to say that yeah training in Takumakai Daitoru training that I personally had, there was a lot of pain compliance, but it's not the end all. You know, definitely you learn how to work through it by having imbalance off of contact rather than having to start. It's like almost like if you're a white belt, yeah, you need to do something that causes pain. Now you'd never forget that. You can train that continually. You know, got to teach the white belts that, hey, this hurts, right? (laughs) But it's not not, uh, a necessary piece all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I think having seen more people that that has come in as white belts that have trouble managing their power when they get power over a joint that you show them how to do Mm -hmm. correctly, they'll, and they'll usually get it wrong. They'll crank up their strength because they need it to work. 
And then one day they find those that just right angle and they've got too much juice on it. And suddenly oh, yeah. it's, oh man, well, what is that? Um, and I'd say the same thing of the um, uh, UB or the finger techniques. Mm-hmm. Very easy to put too much juice on a finger joint. Um, yep. And when you have it done to you, you feel like your hand is caught in a clamp. And that's, I would say the same thing of a good Sankyo, a good Nikyo. You know, most of those, if, if somebody gets the angles on you right, it just feels like you've been completely locked up and immobilized. Mm-hmm. And, and there tends to be some pain in there. Now, it's, it is possible to do those without pain, uh, but that takes a lot of, lot of practice and focus mm-hmm. on controlling that skeleton. It takes so, time you know, to get through there. You have to cause quite a, quite a bit of discomfort in the, in the months that it takes to, or years to, to get to that point. Well, that's, um, that brings me to the pinning. Um, mm-hmm. From my experience, I don't know how many times I'm going to say that. From my experience, um, <laughs> what, what I've experienced from a few different Aikido schools or some, some uh, people that have trained that, that I've you know, shared some time with, um, Aikido pinning, it's almost like maybe you'll do all the hard work up top and then you pin and it's a compliant, thank you, you got me, let's start over. Mm-hmm. Um, Dai is definitely not that way. The, the pin... I mean, you can see the grimace on the faces, you know? Right. Um, yeah, Daituru's got some pretty crazy, they're almost like wrestling finishes where you get a, a leg and an arm and, you know, you really twist uh, some. Yeah, some of pretzel. the, they call it the sodenwaza, so some, some of those techniques, but even even just, you know, and it's no secret, I, you know, I definitely appreciate the historical, you know, preservation of, of some of these Koryu arts. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not even qualified to share secrets. We'll, we'll say that, but I, I definitely don't want to give that that appearance uh, in any way either. But it's no secret. You can you can watch Katsuki Kondo Sensei do you know Ipondori over and over with seminars and all his videos. Mm-hmm. Ipondori is just like or similar to Aikido's Ikido, right? That's where it came from. You know, where the, now we're doing it off of a Shomanuchi strike. They could be off of a wrist grab or whatever, but to turn uke over their prostrate face down the angles you mentioned a minute ago once someone figures out the right angle and pressure for you were talking about a finger technique or a, you know like a sankyo or something it's the same on the ground and and from what i've experienced um the aikido pins when you have someone face down and you're torquing their arm anybody that's trained even two months in brazilian jiu-jitsu um and they've learned how to escape omoplata i don't know if you're familiar with what that is um they're gonna roll right out of it you know matter of fact that's my experience too having had some students and fellow fellow students and students of mine who have either really flexible shoulders they grew up with brothers that they would always wrestle and tangle with or they're just you know wanting to to test the pin it's very easy uh unless they've got a tight their, their shoulders are naturally tight like they're a little bit older uh, it's usually they're pretty reversible and, yeah. and the pins always felt to me a little bit more ritual than they were practical. And yeah, but when you, when you fill the pin, the way, the way it should be, I'm, I'm hesitating to say that because mm-hmm. again, there, there's reasons people train different ways, but mm-hmm. when you get that Ipondori or Gyakude Dori is even worse, which would be like Nikyo, but the, the same the same uke's prostrate their arm is stretched out mm-hmm. i can't even begin to tell you where that hurts it hurts it feels like it hurts from my my ear down to my toe it, it is extremely 
it makes me comply very easy because it's, it's almost like the stretching of every tendon. And I, I can't explain how it happens, mm-hmm. but it has everything to do with the angle of the shoulder mm-hmm. and the pressure. Um, I will give one little tidbit for anyone that's, that's interested in trying to make their, their pin a little stronger. Um, I don't know why I started thinking about this, but in my mind, I think about like yardage jutsu, you know, like a spear. Mm-hmm. And if, if I have Uke's arm, when I'm pinning them, it's almost like the shoulder is the end of the spear and I'm trying to stab it into the ground. Mm-hmm. If I'm not putting pressure where that spear end is going into the, into the earth, so to speak, they're going to get up, they, they can roll, they can do whatever. That's, that's a piece of it. Right. And then the angle of the, of the arm, you know, need, needed to be more overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a world of difference, but that's just, again, how did you train, you know, your, your sensei, did they pass that along? Were they taught that? Is it even important in, in your school? It may not be. It may, may be that end all. You're, you're just saying, look, we're being peaceful here. Um, but there's definitely a difference. And you're asking me, you know, some of that difference. Pinning in, in Daitoru, it was sp- specifically, you know, you're specifically needing to tap to, for submission because it's so tight. Not that I couldn't, you know, move like a wild animal that's about to be, you know, trapped and escape, but there's pro- probably would be injury. Uh, also, the way that, that the hand is held, um, if I tried to roll out of a Daitoru pin, um, there's a likelihood I could snap my elbow because the wrist is controlled completely differently than, than uh, the pin in, in Ikkyo and, and Aikido. But again, to each his own, it's, it's different. But uh, Well, I think the reputation among a lot of Aikido folks and just in general is that Daitoru is basically like a hard version of Aikido. Like that's the reputation that I had heard of when I started out. And, you know, I know Daitaru is not very common. It's, it's not as ubiquitous as Aikido is either on, you know, dojos that are in cities. Um, there aren't as many of them. So you're not, chances are you're not going to run across a live practitioner as well as uh, it seems like the, the videos that are out on, uh, out on YouTube and, and social media and whatnot, lot more of them for Aikido than there are for Daitaru. Um, yeah. It's not as accessible. I think there's, if you say Aiki Jiu-Jitsu, mm-hmm. not Daitaru specifically. So there are, I mean, you can look up Aiki Jiu-Jitsu mm-hmm. and you can see Slam Bang Theater. You know, you, it's, you know, it's, it's a harder version of Aikido. Mm-hmm. I've seen that, you know, and that's, that's true. Daitaru is, is, it's specifically different. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, that's where Aikido came from, right? But it's not just, well, we're punching harder or we're slamming them harder to the ground or when we enter for this, we're striking them in the stomach. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of a Timmy in, in Daitaru, but um, it's, not a, uh, it's not just a harder, faster version by any means. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, for your audience specifically, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but it, I, I would recommend anyone that says, I, I want to see more of that uh, separation and or um, relationship between Aikido and Daitoru. There's, um, there's two French guys that have some awesome quality videos, mm-hmm. but they're also high level Aikidoka and they live in Japan and they train Takumakai. So I think the name, uh, if I say it right, Guillaume Erard and Olivier Guarin, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I know the name Erard. Yeah, I've heard of him. And yeah, they, they make great films. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're great historians on, on the topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, much more 
you know, knowledgeable than, than, than I could ever have any information on. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they do have a lot of good discussions on those two types of training. Uh, and I think you could get a lot more out of, you know, specific questions in that. But here we are talking about, you know, my personal experience from being, you know, working hard in, in a judo class back in the, in the late 90s. Um, actually, uh, you know, I did do Brazilian jiu-jitsu in uh, less of a Gracie style. Great, I, I, I'm going to break off on this for just a second. Uh, I lived in West Virginia for, for a short time. And I got to train with, uh, you know, the, it's the most um, acclaimed Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school in that area, uh, run by Butch Hiles. But they, they did the De La Hiva Guard uh, type. I say sport, but it, I mean, it's all, it's all great. I mean, you're going to get all this, this great um, athletic training, right? Um, now I'm, I've been training specifically Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, which does a lot of self-defense. They even have Kodagaish. Mm-hmm. Which you, you may not have known, but there's there's a lot of great- well, I've been hearing that that jujitsu and uh, Brazilian jujitsu and I, I presume Gracie jujitsu are they do initially will will run across something and usually they don't like it once they first come across, but then they start absorbing it. Leg locks yeah. being one of them, uh, and I but I have been hearing a lot more wrist locks are being used now, um, and and to me that's a testament to martial integrity. If if you run across something that you find is effective, it works. Use it. I mean, adapt yeah. it. That that's yeah. I think I think leg locks, which you know, there, there's there's an ankle lock. You know, a judo ankle lock, mm-hmm. uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu. You know, just a straight mm-hmm. ankle lock. There's an ankle lock in Taekwondo. You mm-hmm. know, um, it, it's you know after you throw someone down you, on the ground, you're standing up. Their foot's there, and it's it's the same thing. I mean, it's all jujitsu. It's like an I invitation. Say that, but <laughs> it 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 really is all all jujitsu. It's just different lineages some of them have principles and concepts that are a little bit more uh focused on you know like maybe maybe kazushi or or a softer energy where others are more they directly want to go to just all the chokes you know Mm -hmm. um but it's it's so relatable so relatable you know I, i live this every week um but what i what i was getting at was yes the self-defense that the Gracies uh, held on to, which came from judo. I mean, everyone knows the history. If you look, you look it up, uh, it was, was classical jujitsu. And, you know, there's, there's a bent arm or a bent wrist lock from a straight push, which is, uh, which is an interesting one. They also have a kodagaishi. They have sankyo, but they don't use it. They end up usually grabbing high on the wrist and putting it behind the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always grab, you know, a little lower because Sankyo is right there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, in tournaments, I, I think people shied away from wrist locks because it's easy to grab a finger. And if people don't know what they're doing, they're, they're going to grab a small, you know, really a small joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, you know, they're open to it. I've seen people win tournaments uh, with wrist locks, several different types. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm get, actually getting ready to do a, a series on um, specifically Sankyo, how it is super prevalent um, no. You can hit Kodagaishi more ways than I can think of in, mm-hmm. in, in judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but Sankyo, pretty particular, it's great for some escapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if your partners are, you don't want to be labeled the jerk again, you know, because maybe just like pressure points in Aikido, people may not appreciate as much, even though it's strictly Daichoru. Mm-hmm. And wrist locks in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, unless unless your partners are ready for it, they may, uh, you know, they may not appreciate it, but 
-hmm. Usually I wait for someone to, to hit an ankle lock or try to get a gooseneck. And then I say, okay, you, you've opened the door. So, uh, <laughs> you know, don't, la don't label me the jerk. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it, they're, they're definitely, I, I like what you said, martial integrity. Someone sees that it's applicable and you don't just throw it out. You know, you don't, you don't put a wall up and say, I can't learn anymore because then, then we're, we're stuck, you know, somebody's going to advance and we're not going to, and I don't want to be that guy. Right. You know, I very much view it like it's that the, the mountain and around the circle of the base of the mountain, you have you know, your boxing, your wrestling, your different wildly yeah. various things. But the, the more you go up and advance, the closer you get to those other realms. And, you know, when you, you get to a certain stage of development, there's a gaping hole if you don't understand the nuances of kicking, say, or, or ground grappling or, you know, any of the other realms. You're just a specialist and you're limited in how, how much farther you can go. And, yeah. And, you know, I, I'll talk about real quick. You know, I, I talk about that book, Aikido and the Dynamic Sphere. Mm -hmm. So a little sarcasm here, but I think, I think the majority of that community is practicing Aikido and the Dynamic Half Dome. <laughs> because there's a, there's a part that they, they stop at, you know, and we just talked about pinning. Uh, and I'm not trying to turn this into a, you know, BJJ is necessary, but it, it's, it's a part of it. I mean, I absolutely use uh, Daitoru concepts. I'm not going to say techniques. There's se several techniques that I, I love it when I get a, a Shionage pin or, or something, you know, mm -hmm. but the concepts, um, I use them every week against black, purple, brown, different, different levels of jujitsu in our academy. Mm -hmm. And I, I told you this on our conversation, if I had a dollar for every time somebody says you move differently, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd buy my kids a good present, but um, it's possible. So I, I'm, I'm going to preach on this for a second. It is extremely possible to use Aikido principles. I'll say, you know, Aikido, Aiki or whatever from standing to the ground. You know, I teach, I teach our judo program. Um, and I teach judo the way, the way I was taught, you know, Kodokan style judo, um, lots of physical effort, right? Even though the, the, uh, the thought is, you know, maximum effort, minimum, or max, maximum efficiency through minimum effort, rather. Um, Which I love that, that mantra of judo, like to me. That yeah, but you, really watch, you watch judo and it seems like muscle versus muscle although they would destroy i mean as soon as they, you want to talk about kazushi on contact if i tried to grab you know mm -hmm. um you know one of these top level judoka i'm sure they would toss me straight down but the the way i teach it is standard lots of pulls and lift you know you gotta you gotta learn that muscle um uh part of it before you can get get softer and i'll talk about that in a second but um that's not how i play i play judo in my mind, I'm thinking of what, you know, what Shiba Sensei said, if you can learn, if you can learn to walk right, you can do Aikido. I don't know what, what book I read that in, but I, it stuck with me. And I believe that you can be soft, you can walk. It's, it's this overall movement of your body. And I, I love to go against somebody bigger, stronger that just sits down and they get strong grips and they, they hold them to me as tight as they can. There's no way I'm going to you know, maybe catch them with a good foot sweep, but I'm not going to get in for Ipon Samnagi or some tight throw. It, it's almost impossible. It's like a stalemate. So I will relax. I will walk in a circle. And if they sit still, I'm going to, you know, I'll end up taking their back or, or do another 
Osotogari or something, but they usually, they have to follow and I'm just walking and being relaxed. When they follow, they begin to create motion and you know, I'll, I'll take advantage of that with a foot sweep. Um, I think I told you one of my favorites is Sasai Suri Komiyashi, but right. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not from a strong effort. I'm not dancing around and yanking. I'm soft and relaxed. Um, and then when when you hit the ground, inevitably, which I do think it is inevitable, mm-hmm. I really think of something that uh, I read that Hisa Takuma, who is you know the Takumakai and Daitoru was was founded after. Uh, and something I think that even even a lot of the Daichiru uh, practitioners don't focus on as much as he said, you should use your legs to control your opponent. Um, and wise words. There, there's no better place for that than how how else can you practice getting good at that? Yeah, you have certain pins, and we we do work that. But I'm going to tell you, p- passing guard, neon belly, mount, um, everything where you're on top and your opponent's on bottom the better you are using your legs to control your opponent's movement, your hands are free for other submissions and whatnot. You don't get caught up in that entanglement where potentially you're going to get reversed. And and I, and I do use that. And, you know, you know, my training partners, they'll probably happen to listen to this uh, whenever you post it there, you know, they're going to smile at that because it's completely different than just trying to be your, you know, the normal side control or whatever. I'm purposefully postured up, using my knees, my legs to control my, my opponent. And that's strictly my, my deep personal time sitting and thinking about Daituru and how can I, I employ it. It's not a wrist technique. You know, Daituru, Aikido, neither of them are just a set of techniques. There's movement. There's the thought process of controlling your opponent's um, posture, their structure. Um, it's, it's the whole gambit, you know, and, that's, and I just I love toying with that. Uh, in my my personal journey right and it, for, from a military strategy standpoint you win by movement and i mean your legs represent movement and if mm-hmm. you talk even from a one-on-one position or grappling or what have you you win by position by having severe position not just by being stronger or you know hitting harder what have you if you really yeah. want to win smart you do it through maneuvering and that's all legs that's all where the power comes from mm-hmm. it's all where the uh, being able to control what orientation you have to Uke and what orientation Uke has to you. Do you want to be on their flank where they're facing away? I mean, that's, I mean, that's fundamental of all hoplology, all combat. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great, uh, a great thought on that. I, you, you're a really big Sun Tzu. Um, I, I do like Sun Tzu. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. haven't memorized the whole book, but I, <laughs> I, I always go back to it because there's such wisdom there about, just the sensibility of how do you play smart and, and mm-hmm. I, whether you're facing real violence or a sport opponent, the goal is to, to win smart, not just by extraordinary effort or being more powerful, you know, et cetera. I mean, those things aren't bad, but you know, efficiency is yeah. the name of the game and that's, that takes using your head. Yeah. Now here's a, a personal problem that I have. I like to play, soft so much because I'm still on this journey. I, I, mm-hmm. I want to be able to feel the slightest bit of uh, energy that is stronger so I can yield. I, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to yield faster, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. The sure. faster I can yield to um, you know extreme uh, pressure, mm-hmm. then the faster I can counter, right? And I, I can be one step ahead of my- I think we all my, wanna be at that, that ultimate light touch 
Yeah, level. and I I train that way so much that my cardio is it gets pretty bad. So you know when I go a couple rounds with some of the guys that are you know younger and stronger than me, um, I may re- I can relax mm-hmm. you know all day long as long as you know I don't let them get some sneaky choke or something. Mm-hmm. But when I try to up the ante um, to to keep my physical condition in there, I I can tell that being soft has this benefit. Mm-hmm. But if I only do that, I'm, I'm going to miss out on keeping my my uh, energy level where it needs to be. So I do sometimes I do push harder, try to push through and be more like the, the norm. You know, the norm um, is, you know, muscle versus muscle, even though that's not what we train. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's pretty much what everyone does. But you can be soft. And I, and I wanted to talk about if you don't mind, if I can sure. go on a philosophical stint for a second. Go right I think I mentioned it. this to you on the call, but as far as, as how pressure and everything relates to the, the IT arts. Um, I really don't think there's a difference. I just think that the way people train and come into, for instance, an Aikido Academy or even go into a Daichiru Academy, um, they may be going in with this thought that, yes, I can use someone else's energy against them and I don't have to be strong to do it. Um, that's kind of hogwash, you know. It is hogwash. <laughs> the that's that's not how any of the founders came to that realization. They all came through, you know, the rough and tumble. Mm-hmm. And and I'm and a they big, trained I'm diligently a big... to be strong and to be powerful. Yes. Yeah. And they spent a lot of time and effort. If they really believed that it was softness only that was needed, they wouldn't have done all that. Yeah. And I I read I read several different internal Chinese martial arts. Uh, tai Chi is one of my favorite. Um, I've studied a, a tiny about a tiny amount of that, but I've read a ton. Mm-hmm. And one thing that sticks with me is um, something that was attributed to the, you know the founder of, of Tai Chi, who that's a lot of mythology in there anyway. But you know, one thing that I, I recall reading was that you're not going to be able to, to to boil it down. You're not going to be able to get to softness unless you first understand hard. So he was saying first to have, then not to have. You know, first to have and accumulate strength, then not to have strength. So basically, how, how can you amount, how, how can you give it away and, and just be this awesome yielding softness machine if you haven't first understood what pressure is, right? And, and I, I liken that to, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, a, a philanthropist, you know, somebody that is capable of giving away mass amounts of money has to first accumulate the money first. You don't just say, I'm going to be that's a the hard part. <laughs> there's no yeah, shortcut. The hard part. To, there's not a shortcut. I, and I, I, your point is great. And it really, I just want to almost state it again, because it can't be taken too lightly. That You can't just shortcut your way to that high level of mastery where you can mm-hmm. just lightly touch and manipulate unless you have a thorough understanding of Uke's movement. Mm-hmm. and the forces that are at play and you can't really understand it unless you can go through it and have gone through it and can do it or have been able to do it i, I there's and i think yeah, and a lot of martial artists want want the shortcut to that high level of mastery without going through the physical layer and we had a whole discussion a couple of interviews ago about that going through the physical to get to the mental and the higher mm-hmm. spiritual understanding and this is yeah. we're talking about that physical side well, you know, and I think everybody would agree that you can't learn from books. You can't learn from a video. You need to feel, right? I mean, the, the literature and, and uh, documentaries and things are out there, which which aid, especially if you have trained already. 
but the, the main reason is you don't know the angle, you don't know the pressure unless you practice. But on top of just practicing technique in a you know two man kata training, kata geiko, whatever whatever you want to call it, um, when you do live randori, which I know randori is a topic that you love, love um, it. Yep. When you do randori, and I'm not just talking about one session. When you know mm-hmm. ten years of your training has been re- surrounded by whether it's standing or or kneeling or on the ground or whatever, mm-hmm. you start to sense your opponent when when they turn their heel you can you you've been there so many times you can already sense that their hip is about to engage Mm -hmm. and you're in trouble Mm -hmm. right and that's it's almost like this psychic perception but you you have just felt it so often that now you can see the slightest movement or shoulder shoulder turn and you realize i I need to move or i'm going to be in trouble you can't pick that up from a book you can't pick that up from doing ritual uh, compliant practice over and over right. um there's no which, shortcut yeah and even, you can't even learning how through. to how to apply a technique properly mm-hmm. um I, I don't care how many thousands of reps of a technique you do and even helson gracie he's 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 super big on repetition or repetition hip, repeat that's what we say <laughs> um but you know helson he says you know, my daddy says, do it over and over and over. He, you know, he, he, he's, he loves mm-hmm. to talk about how, how his father, Elio Gracie, um, would tell him to repeat constantly. Repetition, repetition is definitely a key to it. But if you don't employ, I hate to say pressure testing, everybody uses that. I'm just talking randori in a friendly environment. You know, we're not getting sticks and knives out. We're just oh, talking yeah. about yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, just let's have this physical dynamic, non-compliant training and smile while we do it. If you don't hit a technique during live randori, you don't own it. It's right. it, it's not even though you have done repetition after repetition, your body is going to be in a slightly different angle, lowered position or something. You know, you may try it and fail, try it and fail, try it and fail. When you when you actually do it, aha, the light bulb goes off. Now you now you own it, right? But there's a slight subtle difference in how your personal body, everyone's different, how your body made that technique happen in conjunction with the live opponent uh, and there's a thousand variables too like where yeah. is your where is your attacker's feet where is your feet you know what is your body angle mm-hmm. well, there's so many to describe and the paired kata is a good place to start with by having not a lot of variables to deal with but you don't own it until you understand how the variables work and you get a feel for when you can do it it's i think it's the difference between learning music by just playing a song over and over and over again. And all you can play is that one song versus being able to improvise with a band or with oh, other good, good analogy. Yeah. You know, um, it seems like they're the same. You're still playing the notes, but mm-hmm. it, how it comes out is totally different in what you are as a musician. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, one, one place where I'm kind of the black sheep in the, in the fact, you know, I say that jokingly, but, um, no, Daigteru and Aikido, neither of them like um, like to step into that pressure testing randori phase. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I, I can't help it. I mean, I, I started with oh, it's fun. Something, it, it's yeah. so fun. It really is enjoyable. Yeah, I, I wish that they would, though. And, I, and it's like I said, you don't have to you don't have to bring the sticks and guns and knives and yep. and all that to the fight. Um, it's it's so easy to say, hey, you know, after class, I'm just going to try to grab you. I mean, we. 
how many years of your life, you know, people that train Aikido really strong or, or Daitaru, how many years do you work on the subtleties of to dealing with somebody grabbing your lapel mm-hmm. at the end of class to say, hey, for the next 30 minutes, um, just grab me and I'm going to try some stuff, you Let's know, play around. Yeah. Well, I got to punch you in the face because it only works for the Timmy. Okay, I don't. I don't buy that. And, and yeah, I don't. And buy I have that a, I have a really strong background that says techniques can still work without punching. No, nobody punches in the Olympics in judo. Nobody's mm-hmm. punching. Right? There's a few that lose their temper um, in in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but no, you know, they're not punching. So, you know, and I can be sarcastic and joke about this. You know, are you telling me that you train so long on the, on these subtle movements? That if if I tried to grab you, you couldn't do any technique unless you hit me, mm-hmm. because you know here here's here's a cousin down the road in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or in Judo that they'll they'll be able to do a technique that's based on position angle kazushi without punching mm-hmm. you, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if they wanted to punch you, how much better their technique would be, right? So it's mm-hmm. everybody can punch, everyone can eye gouge, everyone can can grab the neck or whatever. Um, why don't, why don't we open up the, you know, the Aikido groups and, and even Daichiru, man, I'm getting, I'm going to get so much hate mail, for <laughs> but just, just, just try to dance around with that thought of, um, a, a non-compliant partner with a smile, you know, without trying to punch you just to see, can you move somebody, um, who doesn't want to be moved? You know, it's, right. it opens so many different doors. You know, this brings up a great topic and that is, uh, I remember seeing, an interview, but basically about what is the level of your training? Because I know a lot of people when they talk, when they think about live training or they imagine it because they've probably mm-hmm. never done it or had an instructor lead them through it. They think fight club, like it's going to be two people squaring off and it's going to be a hundred percent guns to the wall, just go time. And somebody's going to walk away with a you know bloody lip and a, somebody else going to get a black eye. But in fact, that's not what live play really is. And I think that this echoes in wrestling and boxing and any competitive martial sport. You don't just go full tilt when it, you're either doing drills or exercises or doing full on heavy duty sparring. Like it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a great interview that Faraz Sahabi, who was uh, George Sims Pierre's trainer uh, up in Canada. Yeah. And he was talking about, he did a video on training over 40 years old. And he said something that the Russians came across, which was rather than doing high intensity training for, say, 30, 40 minutes uh, with even a young athlete, do it, train, train at a lower intensity. You're doing just rolling and and trial and error, but you're going at, say, 40 percent intensity instead of 100 percent. But you do that for four, five, six hours a day Mm -hmm. and you can do it that long seven days a week because you don't get exhausted and you don't get injured. Now imagine a month of that where you get, you know, fighter A who goes and intensely fights for 30 minutes and he gets exhausted, has to quit for the day, or maybe he gets banged up and has to take two days off until his face heals up and he can do it again. The time that that guy will train over a month might amount to what, maybe three hours, maybe four hours versus the other guy who's doing, constant rolling. He's figuring out position. He's doing all of the stuff, all the real mental learning that goes along with that. He's trained for, you know, I don't know what, six, seven hours of a week, seven, 42, 160 hours of training. Yeah. Which one of those guys is going to have the advantage 
when the time comes. Now, mm-hmm. of course, the, the second guy does need to make sure his conditioning is there, but you, d- you get a lot of learning and conditioning when you can keep working like that and make the most of your time. And, and I find even, you know, I don't, my school is not open s- seven hours a day, seven days a week for, for students to come in and train. We're doing, you know, several hours a week for most students, but I still come to the same thing. How do we make the most of our time? How do I make sure that students can be at every class? We're not going to go so intense that they're going to get injured, but I don't want to have, you know, the, the, what we're doing, just a, a pure walkthrough. We have, we do have to challenge and push yeah. the edges, but we're, we still stay within that, uh, that range where we're learning about the, the angles, the mechanics, um, without going so fast, people go fast because they want to cover their mistakes. When you go just slow well, enough, like that. those mistakes cannot be hidden. And it, it damages the ego a little bit to, to go just slow enough that you know what you're doing wrong and, and to be able to spot what you're doing wrong and fix it. Cause if you go fast for 10 reps, you're just doing 10 bad reps. And all that does is imprint that pattern of bad repetition upon your practice. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I think that there is room and that's why I like the free practice. And now that I've been doing it for a number of years with my students, I don't mind having white belts start learning free practice, like, and, and I'll start with a Giawaza more, a more Giawaza type exercise where the, the variables get added in, in small doses. Yeah. And so they get used to that. And then it gets more to a Randori, a light Randori, and then, you know, on up the scale, but every student loves it. Like they'll come back and they go, Oh, can we do that again? That was, that was a lot of fun. You know, yeah, it's challenging, but it should be, it's mentally challenging, not you know, am I going well, you, you to? Well, you bring up you bring up a good a good point uh, safety wise. So you know, talking about Randori for the, I think the people that are going to listen to this uh, already have an idea that that they want something more. They want to see, you know, does Aikido work in a different realm? I, you know, that's probably a, a big uh, portion of your audience. And, and what we're advocating for training harder, training more pressure is completely in line with being safe for our training partners. You know, absolutely. even, you know, in judo, we we recently started this year um, with a judo program specific. Mm -hmm. Um, The ground game is great. The self-defense is great. But, uh, you know, even tournament wise, a takedown, I think the, I think 80% or greater, whoever gets a takedown is going to win the match. I'm not a big tournament person, Mm -hmm. but, um, but the statistics are there. Right. Mm -hmm. But as we're training, uh, judo, there's a high propensity for knee injuries, right? Mm-hmm. We don't just say, all right, everyone fight because that's the only way you're going to get better. No, I mean, it's, yeah. it's controlled white belts. You know, we pair them with someone mm-hmm. who's going to take care of them. Um, it, every, every piece of, of training that I've been involved in, whether it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, Judo, Daichiru Aikido, I've, I've never been anywhere where someone was purposefully trying to hurt or the goal is to, you know, leave bloody, you know, of course I do joke that when, every time I come home and there's blood on my gi, I make sure my wife knows it's not mine. It's not, <laughs> that's important. But no, I mean, safety, safety is important. And you can, uh, I guess I am using this phrase a lot. You can pressure test mm-hmm. um, anything, any of the training with safety. You know, it's absolutely. It's, and, it's and not the first something one should be shied away from. I think is people hear the phrase pressure test, they think, okay, it's got to go hundred percent. Well, mm. guess what? If you tell somebody, okay, take that knife and give me a, at 50% intensity, just try to stab me. 
if your defenses don't work against that 50% guy, you don't need to go 75, 80, 100% to find yeah. out it, it ain't working. Yeah. You know, um, but, but the live play, I think, is so crucial. Um, and even with the hard stuff, and I think kind of coming back to our topic of hard versus soft, as the live play happens, in my experience, and I'll steal that because it's perfect. Yeah. It's how quickly can you gain control of, of what's going on between the two, you and your attacker. It isn't about how you can hit them hard or have them hit the ground hard. It's how, how quickly you can apply yourself in a smart way, protected, and take control. And that from there, you can, like we talked right at the beginning of the show, you can take them to the ground with control and smoothly. And it's, it's swift, but it's not hard. And I there's, think there's one thing big... that I that I actually really like about Aikido in, in the way that that is currently practiced. Mm -hmm. And that's the uh, I don't even know what you call it, but, you know, maybe at the end of class, you'll you'll let somebody take attacks from, you know, five or six people like somebody. You don't know if they're coming with an overhead strike or a right. grab. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's honestly, that's tough. If you're not used to it, I got, I would get out of breath. I'm thinking, man, I've got a judo throw everybody. That's, that's yeah. when I would do those, um, those training drills. Mm -hmm. uh, it's impressive. I think, I think that's a good piece of training that Aikido has that most other schools don't. I mean, I'll do regular judo randori or obviously, you know, roll uh, at the end of every class. Um, yeah. The multiple person different thing is type. something that some, some Aikido dojos do. Uh, and some don't do it at all. Sadly, I, I think it's a lot of fun. And, um, and it teaches you, if you if you really get good at it, you have to understand and be able to read basically a battlefield. And there's a lot of breath control. Oh, yeah. And if your yeah. legs aren't moving, you're going to get circled up and annihilated. Yeah. And so yet again, it's the what is it? Uh, Coach Brooks, the Brooksism, he said the legs feed the wolf, talking about his <laughs> hockey players and the, yeah. the Olympic team. And it's like, yeah, your legs will will be your survival or your doom and how you yeah daitaru the 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 study that i did um never had that uh dynamic training um infused mm -hmm. and i mean we always always you know zanshin this this constant view that you know death is right in front of you focus um multiple attackers everything, every pin that we did, you know, we're, we're aware of that, but we didn't, we didn't train, um, the way I've seen the, the Aikido school that I, uh, trained with, uh, they always did that. And I was just impressed by it, you know, multiple yeah. people. Sure. It's a drill. I mean, you're not trying to hurt anybody. Yeah. I mean, run through the techniques that, you know, mm -hmm. um, but it was, and if you imagine any real world scenario, there's going to be probably onlookers or bystanders mm -hmm. and all kinds of things going on around you that you'd have yeah. to take in, be able to take in. Yeah. You know, there's a piece, there's a piece of that. Um, you know, I, I told you I'm going to jump back and forth from the ground back up. Cause I, I do think that it's all encompassing. You should be able to use this finite energy on the ground mm -hmm. to overturn your opponent just as easy as we should be able to do a standing. It, it's, it's all related. It is. Um, but for those that, that have a disdain for going to the ground, you know, we should never go to the ground or my balance is superior. Okay. Well, just assume that it's going to happen because all statistics show that it will. Mm -hmm. If for no other reason you trained and now you're better at escaping and getting back up than you were before, that's life-saving, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm, I'm a huge proponent that 
um, not only get better at pins and learning how to control somebody from top, but why would you not want to learn how to escape someone mounting you or getting on your back or, or whatever? I, I, a friend of mine works in the, the park service and he told me a story of how a, a, a poacher was confronted by um, you know, a, a ranger at, at some point. And I think it'd been raining. Let's just say that it's been raining and flooding and, and the ditch was just full of water. And you know, the guy got, the, the ranger got drowned um, because he couldn't escape from the guy holding him down, right? So wow. hor horribly unfortunate. Um, and I, I don't know all the details to it, but either way, imagine if the only reason that you train ground techniques is so you can learn how to escape faster it's life-saving you know so that should be a piece that's thought about not because it's crossover just mm -hmm. it's physics it's body mechanics just like the rest of it so i'm a huge proponent but I, and i want to throw one one other thing out here so as much as i jump to how you know, okay daitaru i love it uh, every every movement and touch that i do i'm thinking of that in my mind it's all related to Aikido, uh, kind of backwards for me, though, you know, from my love from the, the illustrations in, in, in the book where, where my mind first went. And I talk about how I'm trying to use it on the ground. I'm not advocating that everyone run out there and join a, an academy for uh, Gracie or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. To be honest, I'm trying to help show that Jiu-Jitsu crowd how beneficial the IQ crowd is because there's so many subtleties that they miss uh, because they're, they're they are focused a lot on on strength and fight you know during their live rendori uh, even though the our instructor um, Professor Dan Wallen at, at our academy where I train he, I mean he's a Helson Gracie um, third fourth degree black belt and he's got some really nice subtle soft movements um, so it, it definitely crosses over but a lot of the people just like olympic judo you watch it seems like a muscle fight fest that's what you call it wrestling with like. jackets when you get the the collegiate yeah, level that's, judo. that's what it looks like yeah but I'm, I'm i'm trying to preach that's why i started my my youtube video um channel which by the way i do horrible horrible videos uh, do with, with my <laughs> that's iPhone. quite an self-endorsement <laughs> yeah they're horrible don't even look at them um but <laughs> the whole reason that i started that was because i'm trying to help the jiu-jitsu community see that there is huge benefit to your game to your ability to manipulate your opponent if you'll cross the fence over to your you know your your brethren on the other side of the jiu-jitsu fence known as aiki jiu-jitsu or aikido mm -hmm. um, I, I think they relate so much because all we're talking about is two physical um, beings making contact and one learning how to overcome the other whether you're getting underneath them uh, you know, the whole topic of Aiki is still super fascinating to me, not from an esoteric perspective. I'm, I'm talking physics, learning how to how to move your weight against your opponent's weight. Um, it's a constant journey. But but man, the the top jujitsu people in the world, like like Gordon Ryan, for example, he's the big name right now. He just slapped Andre Galvao and it's all it's all the news. Um, but he's awesome. They're both awesome. They would probably smash me. And actually, I rolled with Andre Galvao at a, at a seminar. He's super strong. But imagine if they had this concept of the softness in Aiki, and they focused on that just as much as they did their conditioning. I mean, they would probably be unstoppable. You know, I mean, it's, it's something that I think everybody should 
look at the whole picture like i said the dynamic sphere instead of the dynamic half dome (laughs) right um well i'd love to see that family come together and i very much view judo jujitsu aiki jujitsu aikido sumo as all the same family they really they really are and it's it's it kind of breaks my heart to see how much separation there is between those arts as well as even within those arts um you know, there's a rather big separation in Aikido between even people that think that Aikido is a martial art and pe- people that don't, they adamantly argue that it's not a martial art. It's not supposed yeah. to be practical. It's not supposed to be useful. And, and it, it's disappointing because I, I don't think more Ueshiba would approve of the concept that, or the claim that Aikido is not a martial art or was never meant to be one, mm-hmm. you know, I, agree. I, I, I that's just my opinion of of what his opinion would probably be so i could be wrong i've never met him but what i see of him was a very disciplined um dedicated individual who had a vision of something and i i don't think that having aikido turn into something non-martial was his his groove i mean everything they say that he, he would even leave a bruise on his deathbed if he touched you or grabbed you he could leave a bruise you know that sure. i remember reading that somewhere yeah. no and I, he's you know he's a great example um from the literature that i've read the epitome of what we want to be just like kyuza mifune sure coming from a, coming from very hard upbringing tough i mean he he could you know swing a hammer harder than anybody and move how many bags of rice i mean he was a, he was a stud physically he was a phenom really yeah and then at his last days, he's dancing around really nice and soft. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was doing. And mm-hmm. I think my opinion is that it was the branches that came off of that. Unfortunately, some some really like gathering with their their friends and family and training soft without any martial thought. And it's great for them. I, I shouldn't say unfortunately, because that may be a path that is so great for people to get into an activity. Mm-hmm. But it absolutely has martial application. Um, you know, Daituru, I, I think, is a little bit more the, the, the reality just because I've, I've, I've experienced them both. Mm-hmm. Um, but they share they share so much. Uh, I just wish they would I, I wish they would be a little bit more live as we talked about for the last hour or so. I think I think that they would be better and be better off, be better and probably be happier with their progress if they would just try a little bit more. Um, pressure testing I say sure. well and and also to land this on the the hard versus soft one of the things that uh we used to do from my old instructor and I've kept this this on is you know if somebody comes in and maybe they're a little banged up well my knees kind of tweaked or my lower back's hurting a little bit but I, I really want to train I okay let's practice that first part let's take the throw out of it let's see Nage be able to take that posture and balance quick quickly and decisively mm-hmm. because that is that threshold point from there on nage determines how hard this is going to go yeah you're right we can take the throw out of it and not have a you know dramatic steven seagal slam to the ground at the end and still get the training aspect of it because it's the setup and that get gaining control that in my opinion is you can't do anything if you can't do that like yeah the throw the throw is always there that's the, the throws the icing on the cake. Point. The real, the meat and potatoes is being able to take control. And the great part yeah. is we can have it if somebody's, you know, their neck's a little sore or something, 
we can still get great practice out of it. Um, and I think that that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, in a moment, you might need to take control of somebody's posture and balance. And you might need to even take a moment to think, what do I, am I going to do with this person? What do I have to do with them? Mm-hmm. You know, but once you take that control, now you, now you have a, a moment, you have the ability to make that decision in time and hopefully make a mature one and not a vindictive, you know, one, but, yeah. um, but I, I think the looking at hard versus soft training is not black and white. It's not binary. Uh, and with, things like throwing people to the ground, the ground hits harder than anything else. So it's, in my opinion, it, it requires great control almost all the time or are or, or just going to get banged up. Um, well, you know, when you throw somebody also, uh, and, I, and I say this to, to people that I train with, um, if you throw somebody and they escape, it's your fault mm-hmm. because you could have controlled them slower into a position where, where you have total control. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now there are some projections, right? I mean, the purpose mm-hmm. of the throw is like Kaitanagi, you're, you're trying to throw them away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you don't have to think that you're doing a hard training by slamming somebody hard because you could, if, they're, if they know a break fall or they uh, you know, dance out of it, they're gonna come right back at you. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, thinking that that's harder is not always better. Right. Um, I, re- I really like, the linear straight dropping in, in Daichu because you know, you it's don't funny you mentioned that, that because my Aikido lineage has that influence in it as well. And I'm not sure where exactly that comes from, but we talk a lot about crushing Uke mm-hmm. then rather than chucking them or throwing you, them. Did you do Yoshinkan? Uh, no, my lineage came through older Koichi Tohei uh, prior mm-hmm. to uh, his setting up the key society. Yeah, I've heard of that. His, his drift there. Um, uh, and I come through Bill Sosa's <clears throat> influence as well. And he was a, a golden gloves boxer. And I, from what I understand, he actually left Koichi Tohei because Tohei was getting too far into the key stuff. And he mm-hmm. wasn't really interested in that. He wanted to stay in the physical realm and, and kind of, you know, take on that, that sort of bent to it. But, yeah. um, you know, of course we were, we were instructed about how to, the difference between a throw where you give Uke space to roll so that they can come up and can keep doing reps with them versus bringing you know crushing them down right underneath you or spinning them onto the top of their head you know yeah. and, and I, I remember reading i think one of the first books i got on daito ruaiki jiu-jitsu talked about how most of the throws in aiki jiu-jitsu back in the 1800s were pretty much ended in throwing somebody onto the top of their head mm-hmm. um like that was what it was designed to do to break somebody's neck or break their back or crush their skull and that when that was a time when martial arts started to become more of a civilian training um, thing than pure military. And a lot of those throws were not able to be practiced very safely, especially by civilians and, and people that were not military personnel. Mm-hmm. And even, even then, you, how do you practice throwing somebody on the top of their head without people getting really hurt? So a lot of those throws got modified or, or blunted down or even just removed from the curriculum because they just weren't as applicable for civilians. Um, have, have you, well, is that something that you've heard or read about too? Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's judo is a good example of that too. That what, I, what I've heard, like the, you know, Ipponsei Onagi, mm-hmm. that, that throw where the arms over the shoulder 
Mm -hmm. If it's done with the other arm, which is the traditional way, it's it's an arm break and you throw them over the shoulder. And then Daitaru has, we actually have a seonagi. Um, it's from a, a, a front choke, but the way you enter it, you're not, you're not going on the side where the arm is folded. You're turning to the side where the arm is, is, uh, is extended. Okay. And that's, that's more effective, you know, if you were trying to end the altercation. Sure. Um, and Shionage is another one, you know, Shionage can be seen as, as a, as a good projection, mm -hmm. but when you get to the final aspect of it, and instead of launching forward, you step backwards or even do a foot sweep. Yeah. They're, they're going to go right, right on their head. And it's, it's a much more brutal fall, but you don't, you don't full force throw like that in practice. Right. It's common knowledge that just like you said, once you have them to that point, mm -hmm. the rest is history. If you want to pursue it, you don't even have to throw, you can stop right there for your aged or injured uh, training partners. Right. But yeah, there, there definitely are, um, there's several throws and, um, techniques in Daichu that that are are still there. You know, oh, sure. You know, you know the there's the dog collar. One thing they they call it. Um, I don't know the Japanese term for that actually, but I mean, <laughs> that's not a place that you want to be. And there's definitely some some crushing capability, but it's off of you know one of the techniques and uh, head wrenching neck throws, kubinagi. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, the martial piece is still there so if you if you look at hard physical training back to our topic hard physical training sweating aikido is going to get you more of that mm -hmm. daitaru is going to get you more of the martial application mm -hmm. um not all i don't want anyone to say well my aikido's hard you know lenny sly i don't know the guy but I, everything i've seen from him is awesome yeah. yeah, he's got some hard stuff, and I and and I know that his techniques work. Does he know, you know, certain specific techniques that attack joints differently? I, I don't know. I don't know if it's intention aikido or not. Um, but it didn't all get passed or absorbed into aikido. That's why daichu is still pretty separate. But but again, technique. One of the, one of the the guys who quickly is becoming a mentor of mine that, that on, on the other side of the Daitaru house, um, you know, he said, I could see somebody showing a, a new fancy wrist lock and I could care less because it's not about the wrist lock. It's not about the technique. Um, there's more behind it. And that's that Aiki, that Ju, that Kazushi um, techniques are just techniques, right? Uh, everything that's behind it makes it stronger, but, but absolutely there's some techniques that didn't, make their way over to uh, the Aikido side from Daitaru. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's okay. I mean, that's why they're still separate and it, you can, anybody can search them out if they want. Sure. Let me ask you one question about the, the Daitaru house. And you, you mentioned that because I'm yeah. sure it's much like Aikido that there's a wide variety of approaches within it. Um, and this is something that I, I just ask because the, the demonstrations that I've seen of Daitaru seem to be very, formal and ritualized is that how it's practiced or is that a representation of some parts of daichiru but not other no others, that like dojo uh, to dojo or how does that work in, in, in bukai i don't even know how to say that correctly but the demonstration no that that is a choreographed we're going to go give right. a demonstration to show a few techniques the nuances you're not going to catch them unless you've trained them 
Right. Uh, but no, Aikido does class. these very formal ritualized demonstrations as well. And then we've got like people that are doing more of the live stuff. There's not many of them, but yeah. <laughs> there are some. So that's why I asked. No, the, the class is definitely different from that ritualized mm -hmm. um, demonstration. The techniques can be in there, but I mean, you're going to spend hours and hours and go home <laughs> shaking yeah. your wrist um, because you and all your training partners are working a specific technique, trying to catch it. Somebody's going to say, no, nope, no, nope, you almost had it. Just like an Aikido school, sure. you know, just like any, any other martial art, you know, you just, you really train specifically over and over that repetition. Um, but not like the ritualized demonstration. Okay. Cause I did visit a, an Aikido dojo that their practice was very ritual, like, like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought it was a little strange, but, um, you know, it wasn't quite my flavor, um, but, you know, I'm like, well, this is not a, of course, this was prior to YouTube and whatnot. This was years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought, boy, it doesn't seem like a terribly efficient use of time to practice like that because there's so much time with the approaching each other, the bowing, the, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I, I came from a competitive background, so I'm like, I, I'd never trained like this to compete. You know, it was just. No, I, I, I went to a, a couple day seminar in New York where the Takumakai group came to visit the mm -hmm. New York um, affiliate. Mm -hmm. And my teacher and I went, went up there. And it was great. I got to meet my teacher's teacher and whatnot. And of course, the demonstration, you know, very formal. And when we start, j just like, you know, the Japanese culture, we're all going to bow and, and, and begin the, the class. But, you know, it's, it's just like it should be laughs, you know, support people walking around as you're working on techniques, non um, cultural ritualistic during practice. It's just train hard. And then when you get done back to the ritual, you know, mm -hmm. so, but no, That's it's great. It's the same. Cool. Well, I think we're looking about an hour and a half. So I will, uh, think we should wrap it up, but I'll give you kind of the last word is there's anything you'd like to wrap up. This has been a great discussion. Yeah. And I, I, I really appreciate it again. I know the topic um, was leaning towards, you know, is Daichiru harder training than Aikido? And there are a lot of people probably wonder that. Uh, I, I, I think that I'm trying to give a good representation that I, I think the way some Aikido schools train is actually, you know, physically demanding. And I, and I can appreciate that. Um, so if we're talking physical, you know, I, I would give the edge to, to most of the Aikido group, uh, which is a good win, right? You know, like, yay, Aikido strong. <laughs> but, um, but as far as the martial application, if, if we want to call that hardness, uh, that, that lies in Daichiru, mm -hmm. um, more from my personal experience. Um, but anyway, no, I, this was a good, a good discussion. I appreciate it. I hope that the audience, uh, that, that you have this one out to get something out of it and maybe it makes them want to branch out and, and uh, see what else is out there. Well, yeah. And, and I like that we covered that there's more to hard training than just beating your UK up. Um, yeah. and, and that's, I really appreciate at least knowing that. <clears throat> And that, that, that Daitaru does have more of a pain factor involved with it. At least that's what I took away without it being uh, just let's, let's, you know, train brutally. Um, yeah. And that's, I think, something that, that needs to be understood as training gets a little bit more intent, filled with int proper intent. Um, so, yeah, it, and, it retains the jujitsu uh, 
right piece right it, that that old jujitsu mm-hmm. uh, piece is still there yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah thank you very much for coming on the show and I, I i'd love to have you back in fact you know you're here in the u.s so i'd love to love it if you ever come up to minneapolis to welcome you to the dojo and we can get on the mat and, and train a little bit yeah no i'd, lo- I'd love to sweat <laughs> absolutely yeah we like that too so um but yeah t- uh this has been a great conversation um take care and have a have a re- great rest of your day all right thank you you too tristan thank you robert all right Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.